Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. So after a famous night in Rome, England are into the semi-finals of the European Championship, the first time since 1968 that they've reached successive semi-finals at major tournaments. But can they go all the way and actually win the Euros for the first time ever? Joining us to discuss all this, two men who played with Gareth Southgate at England, Danny Mills and Martin Keown, and Martin Samuel, the Daily Mail's chief sports writer. Hello, everybody. The start of a big week for England with a semi-final just around the corner. Before we do that, let's reflect on the quarter-final. Danny, you played in the World Cup quarter-final. This one was a lot more stress-free than one you played in in uh, Japan. It certainly was. Getting off to a fantastic start. And everyone was saying it's going to be an easy game. But any team that gets to a quarter-final are going to be dangerous. They have one or two players that, that can hurt you. I think the only worry ever was complacency. But actually, I wasn't concerned about that because I think the players are fully aware if they didn't turn up, and I mean, by turn up, I mean, if they didn't put the effort in, you know, if they turned up and they just thought, oh, we're going to win this and they made it, you know, sort of difficult for themselves, they would have been on every single front page, every single podcast, every single news headline, how, you know, they were, they were arrogant, didn't turn up. So I, I don't think that was ever really going to be a problem. Um, and with sort of, you know, Gareth making sure of that, I think they went out there. It's very, very similar to the Germany game, I think. I think they played with maturity. They played with a huge degree of control as well. They passed the ball well, you know, kept it, uh, were patient at times. And again, another very sort of mature, professional performance. Of course, it helps when you, you, know, when you score after three or four minutes. Um, it, it settles every, everybody's nerves. But uh, from that point onwards, never really looked in any danger whatsoever. Martin, it was all a bit surreal, wasn't it? It was, but you know, let's not forget Ukraine. I'd actually covered their game in the one before and um, they were the lowest ranked team coming into this competition, third place. Uh, they went 120 minutes in their previous match and I felt it was really a game we were always going to win. But they handled the occasion really well. First game away from Wembley. Um, and again, Gareth's made changes and we, we start to look really supreme now, especially when he made those calls to, to rest players, a couple of players on bookings. And he's, the way that Gareth Southgate has negotiated every fence through this competition, he rested up the players before, had all you guys at ITV guessing about what was going to be the team because he didn't really show us his hand, but he was resting players. So he used that time very well. And you look at Henderson Maguire coming back, perfectly phased into the team. So we're really in good shape now with a winnable game, of course, on Wednesday. And England are flying at the moment. It's the best I can remember seeing an England team in many, many years. You, you've written at length about Gareth Southgate this morning in the paper, Martin, haven't you, about you know, just what his impact has been on English football. Do you just want to outline that? I just think he's, I think he's been the best thing to happen to English football for decades. And it's not just about... It couldn't happen to a better guy. That's, that was my point. And not, that's not, not, couldn't happen... It, that doesn't mean it couldn't happen to a nicer guy or, or whatever. Nothing, nothing about niceness, because that sort of buys into this narrative that he's a yes man and he's a company man, and, and he's neither of those things. But it couldn't happen to a better guy, because one, he's a thoroughly decent human being, 
but two, what this says about English football, where you don't have to look at foreign managers. We have got coaches over here who can do this job and it's better if the coach understands the culture of English football. And Gareth has got that from day one and he's, and he's changed the culture within the England team, uh, which is, is hugely significant as well. And it just shows you that it's, it's about getting, he's a young coach and it's about getting the right guy from this country to manage the national football team because Italy don't get people from outside their country to manage their football team. Germany don't. Any, any nation that wants to be taken seriously as a football nation produces their own coaches. And what, Gareth, what Gareth's appointment has shown is that we can produce our own coaches. We can produce young coaches who get English football and who get English footballers. And I think he's, I think he's done a, a wonderful job. And if you go to... Uh, this is the first time we've reached back-to-back semi-finals uh, in major tournaments since 1968. So that's 66-68. And you're now hearing this saying, oh, Germany weren't very good. No, this one, we've had an easy one here. and We've had an easy one. They always get that with England. Whenever we beat anyone that's any good, uh, everyone then tells us that that team was rubbish and it wasn't really like beating Holland and it wasn't really like beating Argentina because they were, they were terrible. But if you look at 68, for instance, Alfram, you know how we qualified for the European Championship semi-finals in 1968? Does anyone know this? We Winning the World Cup. We won the Home International Championships. That's, what you, that's the deal that we had with UEFA at that time. That's the group that we had to play to, to qualify for the European Championships with Scotland, Ireland and Wales. So let's not pretend that we're having some easy ride here that we've never had before. And we've, you know, you'd buy that every single year. Home I think also, Martin, when, when you throw into that, we've been knocked out to Romania. Yeah, Been knocked out to Iceland. Iceland. Didn't yeah. make it into the competition because lost to Croatia before, yeah. when, when Croatia weren't quite the force that yes. they are now. We've had easy runs before mm. and got nowhere near this sort of level. And I, and I said to someone the other day, but he said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still not convinced about Gareth Southgate. I think, hang on a minute. Gareth got the job because Sam Allardyce lost the job. And I love Big Sam. I think he's absolutely yeah. great. Mm. But would we have got anywhere near this if Big Sam was the manager? Absolutely. And would uh, he have introduced yeah. these young players the way that Gareth is? I mean, you've got, got to remember, I wrote this last week, there's three guys that started against Germany that wouldn't have been in the squad had this European Championship started when it should have started because they had never played for England in the summer of 2020. So Calvin Phillips is, is one. Jack, uh, no, uh, Jack Grealish is another, yes, certainly. Uh, and Saka. And those guys hadn't even played for England in, in 2020. So that's how quickly he is promoting young players, um, which is something we've always thought should happen. And why, why don't we get these guys on the fast track? Gareth Southgate actually does it. Mm. Actually does it. I, I, you know, we've, been, we've both been around Gareth Southgate, Danny, haven't we? And I always felt he was an immensely likeable individual, always very thoughtful. I spent many a competition after we went out into the wee small hours, looking back on what went wrong and how did we fail. Um, everything he's ever done, he's learned very well from. Mm. And I just feel that even the other night, the first play he went to was Jack Grealish because he yeah. wanted to apologise to him. So he has an empathy and a care. He loves his players. He's really well balanced. He's solid. He understands the game tactically. Don't underestimate Steve Holland 
alongside him, oh, who, he, who he, he, he made sure that he's in his ear the whole time. They were talking through, when we, as soon as they went 3 nil up, they were looking about preparing, do we take off the guys who've got bookings? Do we, who do we rest up? Do we take Maguire off? So everything's carefully planned and they'll do the same now for this next game against Denmark, whether they'll change the system, they're playing against the five because Denmark have changed their system during the tournament. So they're growing, but they'll be ready. I'm absolutely certain of that. But first and foremost, it's Gareth Southgate. That te- he sets the tone in his behaviour and the players follow. I think what people forget is Gareth played obviously in, in Euro 96, was, was a huge part of that. He then obviously played in, or was been a part of France 98 was then part of Euro 2000, then 2002, you know, obviously didn't play in that at all. It was a different experience. You know, Martin obviously was there in Japan. It was unusual because there'd never been a tournament like that, that far away yeah. with the time zone and everything else. He's learned from all those experiences. You know, he was captain at all the clubs he was at. When he first went into management, he had this idea of how he wanted to play at Middlesbrough. He knew that it was too soon, but it was a job that he couldn't turn down. But I think that the biggest compliment I can say to Gareth is, He's always been himself and he has no real ego. You know, and when you listen to him in, sort of intently and you sit down with him and just over a cup of tea or coffee or whatever it might be, when he goes through the way that he's thinking, he didn't know Steve Holland when he first got the under-21s job. There was no relationship. And suddenly now they're like, you know, they are so close. They're best friends. You know, the, the families are good friends. He, he was at Chelsea and he saw this coach. He was watching, I think it must be Mourinho he was watching or whatever they had at Chelsea. And he saw this and he went over to Steve and said, look, oh, I really like what you're doing with the young players. Do you fancy coming along and, and helping me out at the under-21s? Being you know, sort of, you know, part-time coach. Oh yeah, well, that, that'd be good. And all of a sudden that relationship grown and because there's, <clears> there's a respect there for what they're doing. And as Martin says there, I think he genuinely cares about people. Not, mm. just, not just the players, how they play. He cares about all his staff. You've all worked with him. You know, Pugas, you've worked with him for TV and, you know, obviously, Martin, you've played with him and everything else. He just genuinely cares about people. He wants people, everything to be right. And when we talk about the, like, the younger generation, I think maybe help having kids that are, what, 22, 17, 18-ish, I think that helps as well with the younger generation. Understanding, yeah. you know, yeah. sort of maybe what they need. Well, in, in the past, we've seen sort of quite draconian coaches you're not doing this you're not doing that not having this can't do this can't do that he understands that they're going to make mistakes he understands that they're going to be on social media and they're going to you know they're going to they're going to fall off you know from 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 being perfect from time to time and i think he's developed that culture where you know even if he's not playing jack Grealish, he will go and talk to him he will go and explain sit down and let them know why and i think it's really created that incredible togetherness where they all feel like they're all going to win this tournament, even if they've only played a, a couple of minutes or so. And Martin, can I say something about the other side of that? That's so clear. It was really interesting that, that you two saw. I noticed that straight away with the Jack Grealish thing. Clearly, you know, we're all on board. But Martin, you and I have watched from the press box over 30-odd years some absolute footballing disasters. You know, footballing <laughs> mishaps. Nothing's a disaster in sport. You know, in footballing ma- nightmares. That's a better <laughs> word. Whatever happens on Wednesday... The English nation and the England football team are, are reconnected, and that may be as big, that may be as biggest achievement of all. It was interesting because I did go to Rome because there's you know, there's all sorts of complications about going to Rome. Everyone's terrified of getting pinged by Test and Chase at the moment, and then you you know you're you're out for the rest of the week. So one guy per paper went and you know took took that chance, and everyone else stayed back you know just in case. 
And I was watching Rio Ferdinand on, on television. He was talking about um, the relationship with the media when um, when he was a player and something you guys will know about and, and how fractious it was and how sort of it was like as if everyone was the enemy and, 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 and stuff like that. And you, you could almost tell in his voice, he's looking back at that and thinking, yeah, that was a mistake. That was completely counterproductive, that, that sort of negativity that there always was because... Southgate's managed to change that. He's changed the relationship with the with the supporters. He's changed the relationship with with the media. Um, and it's not just by being all things to all men or, or anything like that. It's just by seeing a, a, a bigger picture than his own. On on Friday, he gets asked about the yellow cards, and everyone's on a yellow card. And he and he says he wouldn't drop anyone from a quarterfinal. Um, just because they they could get booked and, and miss the semi final, he wouldn't do that. And number one, as the minute he said it, you knew Calvin Phillips was playing because he doesn't lie to you. That's 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 one of the things about him. He's dead straight. And someone asked him if it was harsh uh, that you could miss the semi-final. And he said, well, it's two bookings in five matches. He said, I don't think that's harsh if, you, if you're suspended. In, you know, you should be able to, you know, not get booked to go. Now, it was an absolute invitation to have a pop at UEFA, to have a to have a moan about something or whatever. And he didn't. He saw the bigger picture than his own circumstances. And he does that on numerous occasions when he gets asked about a subject. He sees something more than what it actually means to him. He sees he sees a wider group. And he said, look, if you if you allowed say three bookings in five games, these people would be getting away with murder. You could, you know, you could you could really destroy a game of football if you knew you were never going to get suspended. And he, and he gets it. He just gets it. He's just a smart guy. To talk and, to. and I think that that comes about, man, all those coaches that he's worked with, he's taken little nuggets of all of them mm. and mm. gone, well, I like that. I like that. I'll use that. I'll bring that in. This is a good idea. But he's still being himself. And it, it makes me laugh when people say he's a yes man. Oh. I, I don't know what a yes man means because it's not like a club where the chairman probably can have an influence on picking the team. Um, you know, but he's made massively big decisions, quite unpopular mm. decisions, or certainly hasn't gone with the majority. But it's like when you go back to the press thing, and we've seen obviously in ninety uh, in the last what in eighteen, with you know unicorns in the swimming pool and the press day. That press day came from Middlesbrough. Now Steve McLaren yeah. was a fantastic coach, but he had Bill Beswick with him. And before we went to the cup final, the League Cup final in 03, 04, sorry, on the Monday we had this huge open press forum. At the, at the ground where every player was available. It was just a, a sort of a, a free-for-all, sit-down, whatever. And everybody, every single journalist could go and spend as long as they wanted with as many different players as possible. And then it was like, right, okay, you've all had your fill. Now that's it. No more press for the rest of the week. And that was similar to what he did, you know, leading into that, wasn't it? He had that big yeah. open press. And suddenly it was like, oh, actually, players a bit more relaxed because everybody was, it wasn't like one-on-one -on -one in a room. It was, you know, all just yeah. chatting to people. I think the press respected the fact that they got a bit more access and yeah. a bit more freedom. So they got better stories. So then there wasn't sort of the one or two poisonous stories or vindictive yeah, stories absolutely. that came out. And suddenly, almost in an instant, you've created a relationship. And this yeah. is why now I think Gareth's, one of Gareth's biggest, I think, influences is, and I'm sure Martin will back me up on this. When you used to play for England, you were probably more concerned about what was going to be said when you went out of the tournament. You know, how, how nasty the press were going to be about it, how spiteful it was going to be. There was always this, like, oh, what's going to happen when we lose? You know, if we lose this, it's going to be, you know, absolutely sort of disaster. 
And I think what he's turned it around is, and he's brought back that enjoyment of playing for England that, and I think Rio Ferdinand said it the other night, you know, when you're in that tunnel, before, just before you run out, this is the biggest moment of your career. This is what you've been dreaming of since you were six years old, playing in the park or up against the wall, thinking, can I be in a Euros? Can I be in one of the biggest competitions? Don't be afraid of it. Go and enjoy it. This is, you know, this is, this is, you might not ever get this moment again. So go and enjoy it. Go out there, express yourselves. Go and do what you're good at. Be yourself. You know, work as hard as you possibly can. But take a chance to think, actually, this is a huge positive rather than, oh, if we get beat, we're going to get absolutely lambasted by every man and his dog. So, Martin, that's a good point to look ahead to Wednesday then. How do you feel about the Denmark game? Because what they've done is remarkable, Denmark. Well, I mean, you think about the roller coaster, emotional roller coaster they've they've gone through. I was actually commenting on on that game, and it was really traumatic. Christian Eriksen when he he fell to the ground, and it kind of like there's a link and a bond with those players that may be special because of what what they've gone through. And since that moment, of course, they the next game they played against Belgium, and they were magnificent for half uh, 45 minutes until De Bruyne came on and changed that game, and they've climbed their way back into the competition. I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that every team that's in the semi-final has played their group stage games at home Absolutely. without the travel. Uh, they say nothing away from the quality of the teams, but I think it's helped them largely to their own support and not had to travel too far. Um, and this is a difficult game for us. You know, if you think you look at Delaney, Hoiberg in midfield, solid, um, Vestergaard at the back, I think he's massively underrated, that back three. They're a bit like England, perhaps, in 2018. But I think we're ahead of them. I think we've got more firepower. Um, it'd be interesting what Gareth does with, again, with the tactics. I'm pretty certain, you know, we've talked, haven't we, about what Gareth does and he creates environments where everyone's comfortable because he, he has a great understanding of people, but actually the game itself. And that's really important going into this. So he knows where the strengths and weaknesses are of this Denmark team and then what he wants to impose on the game. But there's an emotion now in this country which we need to tap into in that game at Wembley, that energy, and really go after it should be like a lion's den that they come into now for this game at Wembley and I'm sure Gareth will give the right messages to each player Martin's right we are I think we've got better players we've got a better squad obviously got to go out and prove it the only worry is because of what Denmark have been through which was obviously absolutely horrific you know at the time and having to come back and then you know getting out of the group in the last game you know but because they won it Denmark have got nothing to lose I don't think because I think they, they've grabbed the hearts of not just their nation, not just European nation. I think the world, actually, you know, the, the way they came together, you know, in, in that moment that was almost the most tragic of all moments. I think everybody is, everybody loves Denmark at the moment for what they're doing and what they're achieving. And it's dangerous when you play a team that really, if Denmark lose, everybody's going to still love them and say, oh my God, how amazing it was that they managed to overcome what they did and get to a semi-final. So they've, all, they've won. They can go out and play with a complete freedom. And I think they'll be underdogs um, as well, obviously, with it being at Wembley. So there's, there's almost zero pressure on Denmark at all. I don't expect many changes, maybe one, possibly two. He, he won't play five at the back, though, will he? You don't, wouldn't imagine. I, I, no, I don't think he will. Um, no. I, I think, I think the, the back four will, probably, will, will now stay the same, um, obviously, and, and the goalkeeper. The two holding midfield players will be in there. The that he's taken an awful lot of grief for, not just in this tournament, by the way, leading up to the tournament, in, in all the so-called lesser games, you know, when we were playing 
lesser nations, everyone's like, why is he playing two in midfield? Yeah. Well, you, don't, you don't need two holders against these weaker countries. I said, well, and I always said from day one, he's doing that because they're practicing for when they get to the latter stage of a major tournament. You can't just flip it in a last 16 or a quarter five and say, right, suddenly now I'm going to play two holding midfield players that have never played together. You've got to give them the, that experience of, of being able to form that bond, form that understanding. And then I think Harry Kane obviously is going to start. Raheem Sterling, who has been outstanding in this tournament. You know, Gareth has given him huge confidence and, and shown belief in him. Sancho could be a possible tweak. And again, that's not because he's played bad or not he's done anything wrong. It just might be a, there might be a slightly more maybe defensive type of player or maybe someone that keeps the ball differently. And I know he's an outstanding footballer. The only one I possibly could see would be Mason Mount. But I think that's unlikely because he's such a good footballer. He can play. In He'll play Mount, any surely, position. Danny, because he he knits together the attack. And I think, yeah, but, but, but I think the, the other nine, Pugas, I think are pretty nailed on. I think, you know, there's, there's nine players now that I think yeah. are going to play. Yeah. Mount, could he, he could tweak it if he really wanted to go a little bit more attacking or get somebody up a, alongside him in that position, whether it be a Foden or Grealish or, you know, whoever he drops maybe into that sort of more 10 position. And he could tweak, you know, Saka could come back in. Rashford could play on that right-hand side. It could, it could be Foden. Uh, that's the only other sort of tweak that I see happening there. The nation's woken up to the to the fact that you only win these things with defensive solidity. You've come into your own, Martin. It's all about the back four. Well, can you believe we haven't even conceded a goal yet? So that is that in itself is is absolutely quite remarkable. When we look at those two uh, defensive defenders, uh, Stones, Maguire. Everyone criticising Maguire. His club size, saying he's not quick enough, he's not strong enough. Look how brilliant he was the other night from set pieces. This time last year, Stones was looking at a season where Diaz was bought in and probably he and the Port were going to play alongside each other. And he was looking like Stones' future was, was no longer at City. But he's, he stood up to the challenge. He's come back stronger. Uh, he's hardly put a foot wrong in, in a year's football. And he just keeps growing as, as an individual. And those two look quite brilliant at the back, whether it's in a two or Walker joins them into a three. Um, they've been really solid. And I think shh, the thing about Luke Shaw... Um, I think as ex-players, when you hear a manager like Mourinho, you know, berating a player publicly. Um, and I say, I, I, just wondering why I should share this. I met one of his family members who told me how bad it was, right in the thick of it all, where I did an article defending the player because Mourinho was saying, I can't trust him when, he, when he's on the opposite touchline. When I can coach him near me, then he plays well. But when he goes to the other side, it was so condescending for a player to hear that. The way that he's come back, he made his international debut seven years ago, Luke Shaw. So it's been a long and winding road. And now he's back where he wants to be, just perfectly, but with proper management. Again, keeps going back to the manager. Um, and he's got direction. So he's been brilliant down that left. Walker is absolutely different class. The way he uses his pace now, you know, we've always known he's quick, it's how you use that pace. He's, he's like a Ferrari getting back into position to try and, you know, wave down the traffic. He's brilliant in that position. So everyone's just peaking now in that back four. And the goalkeeper, Pickford, dare I say it, there's some calmness coming. You know, I think I think he's better when he's busy. Okay, so when the Germany game, he has a few things to do and he was outstanding. The other day, there's a couple of moments, balls over the top, when he sort of thrashed at the ball. And it's like, just keep calm because everybody else at that point was playing in a different mode to him. You know, and it's like, he's got to find that balance of being really applying himself at the same time 
do what the game needs. So just a bit of calmness. And I'd like to see defenders talk to him a little bit more. But he's growing. And when we need him, he's made outstanding saves. So that five is key. But you defend as a team. And Rice is popping back. Phillips. So everybody has to do their little bit. Sterling, we often see him now, don't we? Coming all the way back. So, you know, it's it's a really good defensive uh, team. The compass is good, but it comes to the direction. And everybody knowing their roles and responsibilities. So that, I'm convinced, the manager has played a huge part of it. Let's finish off looking ahead. Who do you fancy in that game, Martin? I think the Italian team looks really... Up. Without the um, spinning Zola on that left-hand side, that takes a big thing away from... Uh, a lot of strength away from them. But I still feel their collective will be too good. The way that they play, the energy they play with, the options. Barella on that right side of midfield. Uh, Jorginho sitting deep, pulling all the strings. Uh, you know, that is a really good midfield. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but Spain are back to passing the ball quickly. I watched them play against Croatia. One touch, two touch. Uh, Pedri in that midfield makes so many forward passes. So it's really difficult to call. But I think when it comes down to it, I think that little bit announced from, from Italy, I think they're ahead of Spain in their development. This is a transitional period for Spain. Although um, uh, Morata up top um, could still pull something off Mark, in this competition. A lot of people criticising it. He might just be what gets them through. But I see Italy winning it. Yeah, Italy. I just think Italy are a better team. Um, you know, they're, they're very, they're, they're very, very impressive. They're very organised. I agree with Martin. Um, the, 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 the fullback's a big loss. Um, but, um, it, it, again, it comes to organisation, doesn't it? When we were talking about Gareth and how he's got England organised and everyone knows what they're about. You look at Italy, it's exactly the same. Everyone knows what they're about in that team. You know, the way Giorgino plays. and Everyone knows what they're about in that team. Uh, they, they've, they've been very impressive so far. You've got to go with Italy. You know, they're, they're, they're strong. They're exper- the mix they've got of experience at the back you know, what, what is it, 70, 71 years between them, the two centre-halves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. That experience, you know, is, is incredible. Uh, and, and Chiellini is, is the leader, Benucci. They're leaders in that. They organise everything. But then they've got pace up front as well. Uh, and it's, always, it's almost like that, that perfect match. You know, I think you go back to it, it's almost like sort of a bit like having, I think, John Terry and Vidic at the back. You know, if you're sort of two players that just absolutely love defending no matter what you know the, all they want to do is keep the ball out of the net doesn't matter how they just want to keep that ball out of the net and then you've got you know good players in front of that so I'd, I would be surprised if Italy don't go through to the final and that's it from Game On we'll be back next week and every week via Spotify Apple and Google don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk that's it from me Mark Pugach see you next week for more Game On